Welcome to The Worst Bestsellers, where we read about accident-prone children so you don't have to. I'm Kate. And I'm Renata. And for this episode, we read Trixie Belden number one, The Secret of the Mansion by Julie Campbell. Joining us to discuss this vintage girl detective series is recovering child sleuth Carrie. Hello. Hi, Carrie. Welcome back. I want to tell you guys... I'm about 10 years older than y'all, I think, but you must think from my childhood um, favorite selections, including this and the Black Stallion, that I was born in about 1937. So I don't know. <laughs> These are the books I was given um, because the YA and even middle grade boom had really not started at this point. So this is what we had. I just assumed you were 109 years old. <laughs> it could be that too. But still in high school. It was funny. I was driving back from the Cape last night and I put this book on and my roommate was in the car with me and I was dropping her off at her partner's house. And so she was stuck with me for, (laughs) for that hour and a half. It took us to get there listening to the beginning of this book. And when it gets to the part at the very beginning where Trixie is like, or Trixie's mom is like, oh, well, if you do odd jobs for money over the summer, you'll be able to afford a horse by the end of the summer. And Lisa just like turned to look at me and I was like, no, this is like a very old timey book. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you noticed, but the the land that the mansion was on was worth $10,000. So I'm like, yeah. maybe she could buy several horses with her odd job money. And also $5 <laughs> in allowance sounds like a lot in that. Yeah, especially when they're like, we can't afford to send you to camp, but we do have horse money. Yeah. Okay. Who knows? Um, hey, if you hadn't guessed by us talking about it being old-timey, it's flashback summer still. We're talking about old childhood books that may or may not be worse. So, hello. This one was medium. It was medium. Uh, I will issue a content warning. The dog does die. A well, dog the, does a die. A dog, not the dog. Yeah. The but you know, the dog. If you went to doesthedogdie.com, it would say yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. A it dog is dog. not either of the pet dogs. It is yeah. a random stray. Yes. Truly, truly random. <laughs> but, the, but the dog does die by being shot by a child with a gun. So. Yes. <laughs> Again, old timey. This book book came out the year before my mom was born. (laughs) And I remember, like, when I was a kid, I think my mom, like, did give me one of these. I was like, I used to read these. And I was like, dumb. (laughs) I was given this book, or the first four books as a box set. Um, for I am fairly sure my ninth birthday, um, by my aunt who was probably was born in the early fifties and beloved these as a child. And I will say it didn't occur to me that they were as old fashioned as they were even in 1984, because it was still very much a free, the free range kids era. And Mm -hmm. my, me, at least my older brother were old enough to subscribe to that. So we kind of ran around wherever, on our bikes. We lived in a small town, so kind of relatable. And um, yeah, so so those aspects of it. And I, you know, my mom had a big garden and we did chores and my dad went off to the office. So it was, um, I was probably on the tail end of children from whom most of this setup was pretty relatable. There are now things that are obvious to me that I'm like, yeah, this is fairly old, but you know. <laughs> 
I, so this is one of those series books that was very popular for a while and switched after the author was like, I don't want to write these anymore. And the publisher was like, no, but they make us money. Switch to an in-house ghostwriter. But it's weird to me that it did not have the kind of, because I thought it was fine reading it, like nothing about it. It felt very boxcar children. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I wrote that as well. Yeah. Um, it's weird to me that it it didn't have the staying power of like a Nancy Drew or a Hardy Boys or a Boxcar Children or even like a Bobsy Twins. I, and I don't know if it was like because I only learned the history of this as we were um, getting into this, but like those were all written by syndicates, you know, from the start. And this really was a like a lady who lived on a farm in upstate New York. And they're like, can you come up with the kids series? Apparently they were partly starting to try to compete with like Archie comics had launched and they're like, we went, <laughs> which might explain why all the heroes are redheads. Because <laughs> uh, I was like, I know that like in, in the UK still until fairly recently, it was a stigma to be a redhead. Whereas if you read like the American books that I read from this era, there's always like a hot headed, redheaded character. So we have several of them. That in this, so yeah. So I don't know why it didn't, I don't know why they didn't stick around as much either. Maybe because like the Nancy Drews and all those have been relentlessly updated. Whereas these, I think there was like two different editions. I don't know what they changed, but it seems to have been very minor since they didn't. I When I read they'd been updated in 2003, I was like, well, surely they took out the bad snake bite science, but no. Yeah, sure. It's a major plot point. You can't. Um I wonder, because I distinctly remember getting this, like, copy of the first one as a kid and being like, Trixie Belden is the dumbest name. I, like, I really, I've, and because reading it now, there is a lot of stuff in this where I'm like, oh, if I had, I feel like I could have really enjoyed this as a kid because I do, like, a boxcar children, I do, like, a feral children in the woods kind of setup. Uh, so I think there would have been a lot that I would have liked, but I really do just remember being like Trixie Belden, like no, th- like I couldn't get over the name. Whereas Nancy Drew, like that's a that's a name you can get behind. <laughs> I Fair. it particularly because I I don't know if this is I can't remember, and I am not going to Google it right now because then me typing would be picked up by the microphone. Um, but I thought that Gertrude Chandler Werner, I thought the Boxcar Children were also like one person who wrote the first ten. And then the syndicate took over. Um, but I could be mistaken on that. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, and I, I, it specifically reminded me of the Boxcar Children because the very little research that I did do on this series uh, at 9.30 this morning when I was Googling it in bed. Um, <laughs> this is a professional <laughs> podcast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, We're good mm-hmm. at podcasting and doing our homework. Um Look, if that's what you want, there's other book podcasts. If you want unhinged vampire weirdos, you're in the right spot. (laughs) (laughs) Someone sent me an ask on Tumblr recently that was like, hey, like, I love the podcast. And I responded to it being like, oh, like, thanks. I'm so glad you like it. And was about to type like, I hope you don't mind that, like, my postings here are more unhinged. And then was like, no, I feel like every time we record a new episode, you and I are like, oh, my God, that was so unhinged. And then we post it and everyone on Discord's like, no, that's normal. That's just normal yeah. you now. Um, yeah. But anyway, uh, what was I going to say about the boxcar children? Gertrude. 
Gertrude. Yeah. Um, so it reminded me a lot of the Boxcar Children because it, from the little research that I did, um, from the little research that I did, it did seem like it starts off like similarly where it's like, oh, like baby steps into chronological where like, oh, like this book ends with a character, spoiler alert, running away. And the next book, they go to look for him. And the book after that, like, you know, where it was building a story up little by little, whereas, and the the first like 10 or so boxcar children do the same thing. And then after that, when the syndicate takes over, it's just like, we live with our grandpa, babysitter's club chapter two, but for boxcar children, oh, there's a mystery to solve, like forever and ever. So that first- those first like 10 books where it's like, Oh, a story is developing about these children who were feral, who now have a place to live. And also they learn how to solve mysteries over time. That felt similar than, and then before it started cranking out the, uh, you know, mystery of the week. Yeah. I will, um, just to sort of preview where this goes, obviously this book does, I forgot a few things, which is one that this book ends on somewhat of a cliffhanger, although you can really tell where it's going. And I actually think the second book is my favorite because they're on a road trip, mm. but you can't really just start, start there. And also I forgot her older brothers who are kind of like some of the funner characters in the series are like at camp in this. So you don't actually meet them, but like Mart is the wise ass and I don't know, Brian is, probably the goody two-shoes. I can't remember his his situation. But so most of the book is like Trixie and her brothers and Honey and Jim, who are like adopted siblings at that point. Um, and and there'll be like a mystery pretty much that, whereas this one, it was very much like the money is obviously in the mattress. Spoiler alert. You're never going to find it until the very end. So we're just going to throw every conceivable danger that kids can can imagine getting it in this setting and have it resolved as no big deal. So I think that that was kind of, this one was kind of comforting to me in the way that Boxcar Children wasn't in that it's like the kids have a number of parental figures around. They still get to do whatever they want and everything kind of, you know, gets resolved through their pluckiness. Um, in the later books, there usually would be like a bad man would come after them with a gun with sort of disturbing regularity. But I think that that probably was by the time it got to the syndicate. And then they would like, like, I was surprised there isn't one where they like work at a summer camp since it keeps getting referenced a lot, but they do like, well, we'd go to visit the farm in Iowa or we'll take a trip to England or we will go to the Pacific Northwest West and find maybe a Sasquatch. You know, that was kind of like whatever. So that's kind of how they go from here. But this one really was just throwing as many um, alarming things at the kids at the end of the chapter for them to be easily resolved shortly thereafter. Yeah, these kids are plucky AF. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Predictably, and we discussed this on the Boxcar Children episode. I, with series like these, I get more interested once it becomes mystery of the week. Um, Because I just want these children, well, not solving murders, but solving proto-murders. Who did dye the pool purple? Who is trying to sabotage the hotel? Who is, like, who did steal the priceless gems? Only us, four orphans who used to live in a boxcar and now have a home with our grandfather, uh, can solve the mystery of who stole all the jewels. (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah. No, and I do remember like there being some pretty fun mysteries on, on these, you know, for, for my child who also, I also read Nancy Drew. I also read um, Encyclopedia Brown and stuff like this, but just Trixie's I think, situation was specifically most relatable to me for the, she had to weed the garden. Sometimes she had big brothers and she had a female BFF and, um, I forgot there was so much horse content. Read so much horse stuff. <laughs> There's like detail. And actually this is like Trixie's like, I want right at the beginning of the, of the book is she wants to get a horse. And that's kind of where her summer is going. She, I just wanted for the record that is never resolved. She never gets a horse. What? What happens? No, never gets a horse. But since Honey's family moved in and they have a stable full of horses. They just always ride their horses around. So she gets as much access to horse as she wants without having to take care of it. But it was a little bit, I do think I was a little bait and switched that I thought it was going to be another horse girl book. And that's somewhat incidental, but you also have like really detailed stuff about like, well, if they'd had this kind of bit in the horse's mouth, it wouldn't have been a problem. I'm like, okay, well, I know that because of all my theoretical horse knowledge, but it seems very obscure and unexplained and maybe something kids don't really have to know. But this lady lives on a farm in um, upstate New York. So it's probably her everyday life. Yeah. I mean, as a Girl Scout camp counselor, I helped many children earn their like horse lover badge. And I gotcha. And I never heard the phrase snaffle bit before in my life, but these kids, these kids be knowing what a snaffle bit is. Oh yeah, and I think they reference the snaffle bit, a curb bit. They re- they reference a hackamore. I could explain what all these things are for um, with with graphs, but I, I say no need. I just have one more question before we get into the book. Um, Renata, you had a hard copy of this book, or no? No, I have the ebook. Okay, did yours have the cover where Trixie is leaning over and kind of has porn face? Yes. Uh. That's very unfortunate. These books did not have those covers when I was a child. So these are the ones. So for a while in like, I want to say. Oh, yeah, she does. 2007, these books were reissued and we carried them at the bookstore. And we only carried the first three. And they were like weirdly in hardback. And no one bought them. Because also we shelled them because we only had three with regular middle grade and not with series books. So people who were looking for Nancy Drew, looking for those like series missions, did not have access to them. And I remember thinking at the time, like, these are weird covers. Yeah, it's not, that's not a great way. And I, I saw that they were reissued in 2003. And I remember, and maybe we'll get into this with recommended reading, but my sister... Um, her first kid was born around that time. And at some point, my sister was like, I looked at those books again, and I'm not sure they really hold up. And I was like, what? <laughs> um, but I realized what she meant is my children will not read this. Yes. <laughs> and as I'm like, oh, like, oh, yeah, this is not um, the, the, this is not the speed of my uh, my nieces by any means. Just that that the lifestyle is not relatable to them who live in the suburbs. Yeah, I mean, I can see handing this, like, regardless of where you live, to, like, a kid who is, like, a little house on the prairie kid, who is a boxcar children kid, who is a, you know, a kid who likes the, like, children in nature being plucky genre of books still liking this now. Because aside from some, like, old-timey bits... It doesn't, 
like most of the adventure still feels to feels like it holds up to me. I don't know if you guys agree. No, that, I think yeah. that's fair. Um, the and the other thing I, that was not in this edition, and I think it just must be something that came across later. But I was disappointed we didn't get this book. Chris, Trixie's favorite swear word is gleeps, G L E E P S, which I still think is a wonderful. They have a lot of just gosh and golly in this book, but it's. It, Trixie graduates to Gleeps, which I think is really delightful. Wow. Mm-hmm. I feel like we need to put together a flashback summer glossary that has has Gleeps <laughs> from this book. It has Gleeking from uh, Help from Help I'm Trapped <laughs> in My Teacher's Body. It took me, I had like a stroke in between saying the title of that book. But uh, <laughs> what is the it's called it's called help i'm trapped in my teacher's body but i had saved the file as just help and then i <laughs> forgot the rest of the title and i was just like help <laughs> anyway gleeps and also at one point Hol- honey it says golly three times in a row which i made no golly, golly 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 it's giving golly golly oxen free mm-hmm. and it's funny because like it does it sounds so silly to here but also the number of times that i say like fuck 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 like it's clearly the same thing but for old-timey children <laughs> but golly's two syllables it doesn't hit the same the, i Fair. guess you know what i bet that's the provenance of gleeps it's like <laughs> i need a one syllable word anyway this book is about trixie belden it's true um, so Trixie is, as you may have inferred from our earlier discussion, she is a girl who lives on a uh, house, uh, technically on a farm, but they're not farmers. Crabapple farm. Crabapple farm. Um, she has three brothers, Bobby, who is little, and Brian and Mart, Mart who are older. And they're away at camp, and so she thinks she's going to be so bored, and she wants more than anything for a horse that they saw at a horse show. Uh, and her mom's like, well, I can't buy you a horse, but if you do work over the summer, you might be able to save up enough money for a horse, which was, as I said earlier, the point where I was like, oh, this is old-timey, right? And she's like, okay, yeah, I'll help you weed the garden, and I'll help you do chores, and I'll help you take care of Bobby. And then her father arrives home for lunch and announces that their mean old neighbor, Mr. Frain, I guess, when I was listening to the audiobook, it did hear like frame with an M the whole time, uh, mm. was found at the end of his driveway. He had passed out and her father had taken him to the hospital and it looks bad. He has pneumonia. And Trixie is like, fuck that old man. I hope he dies. He's mean to kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, from the start, she is a spicy little child. Yeah. Like, literally, like, the second thing, we, first thing we know about her, wants a horse. Second thing we know about her, fuck that old man. Um, <laughs> does, does this say their ages? Because I don't know if we've got Oh, this. yeah, I, I, think I think she's 13. She's, 13. she's gonna have her 14th birthday at some point in the in- interminate future. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it mentions the ages. Uh, Jim is 15, but I don't think it mentions the ages of her brothers. Her her father also brings the news that a new family has moved in. On either side of Trixie's home are the old decrepit mansion where old man Frayne lived and a big manor house that's been empty 
for years. And her father says, oh, yeah, um, a new family is moving into the manor house and they have a little girl your age. And Trixie's like, oh, cool. And then she sees that there are horses. And suddenly she's like, I have to make friends with this girl so I can ride her horses. Trixie Trixie is scheming. Yes. And I do feel like this is like a horse girl fantasy where it's like, uh, I don't have space or anything for a horse at my house. But what if a rich person moved next door and they had a daughter my age and they had horses and we became best friends. And then I could ride her horses all the time without having to take care of a horse on my own. It's all that. (laughs) Yeah. You nailed it. Uh, So Trixie does go up and meet the young girl who lives in the house. Her name is Honey Wheeler. Uh, and she is very pale and very skinny, unlike Trixie, who is husky, is the word husky used. Husky is, is a pet word in this book. Yeah. yeah. The whole family it, is husky. It, it really is. At some point, they even describe her as fat. And they're like, honey's getting fat. Yay. Which, again, this child apparently has had consumption or something. So mm-hmm. there's a reason to want her to gain weight. And I'm kind of like, yeah, Miss Trask is fat positive. But on the other hand, it, the book is very pale and skinny negative because <laughs> I actually, as a child, my best friend was a lot more tan than I was, which I now just understand is like genetics. And no, it's, also it's because children, you are a 109 year old vampire. Also that. But I remember being morally like, I think she is better than me because I don't have a tan. Oh, so what you're saying is white people have problems, too. Right, right. And there is and there is some person who's made fun of later in the book for being fat because she's 200 whole pounds. So it's like, there's there's no perfection no. here. And, and that <laughs> woman, by the way, they're like, she's so big. She's like six feet tall and 200 pounds. Like, that's... That's normal. Not, yeah. And- no, no, no. 200 pounds. It's just very, very quick um, digression. But in the, um, the Expanse books, there's a character named Bobby who is like a female space marine who's described as being just like the biggest person you ever saw. Like she's supposed to be like six foot three inches tall. And at some point they say how much she weighs. And if you like do the math or whatever, it's 210 pounds. So it's like, okay, the auth- that is the biggest that the authors of this series think that a woman can be. Yeah. <laughs> and, and much the same here. So this, the more things change, et cetera. I have Ugh. news for them about how big this woman can be. <laughs> sitting here in her pajamas podcasting yeah so honey like at first honey like is she's very nervous she's like super rich and also her parents have not really allowed her to do anything ever um as either renata or carrie mentioned she has been sick with some mysterious illness that she was like bed bound for for a long time and her parents have moved out to the country in hopes of helping her recuperate and she's like, she doesn't own pants. She's never done anything fun, literally, in her life. Here's, uh, here's a quick and easy way to describe this character. She's a poor little rich girl. She is, in fact, a poor little rich girl. I believe that phrase is used. Yeah. If not here, then in yes. other books. So at first, Trixie is kind of disdainful and like kind of wants to make yeah, fun I- of her. Because Trixie's a tomboy. Trixie's not like the other girls. Yes. Um, Trixie's fat. Trixie mostly, but it's like, oh, if I like make fun of this girl, she'll never let me ride horses with her. Mm-hmm. But they they do 
um, strike up a deal where Trixie's like, yeah, like I've never ridden a horse before, but like I really want to more than anything in my entire life. And she's like, I just have a bike, no horses. And then Honey's like, oh my God, you have a bike? Like my parents never let me get a bike. I would love to ride a bike. Will you teach me how to ride a bike? And so Trixie will teach Honey to ride a bike if Honey will let Trixie ride horses with her. And then they're friends. And and Trixie is really like a manipulative person throughout. She's like, yes, definitely. Let's start with horses. Let's do horses right now. Uh, and Honey's like, yeah, okay. And then throughout, Trixie keeps escalating. Like, there's a beautiful horse named Jupiter who's, like, too powerful. And she keeps, like, scheming to be like, okay, but what if I just sat on Jupiter? Oh, no, we're galloping. Oh, what if I just, like... Like, she is getting into scrapes by, like, talking her way into, like, further horse adventures than she's really, like, leveled up for. Yeah. So they're... They're excited, and she immediately, her immediate first thought is like, oh, cool, what if we rode our horses over to the house on the other side of mine that's abandoned because the old man who lives there is in the hospital, and just, like, look inside of it, and Honey, who has, like, deep anxiety about literally everything in the world around Mm -hmm. her, because it sounds like she's never been outside of her home, her school, or her camp in her entire life. Is like, I think that sounds like a terrible idea. And Trixie just sort of bullies her into doing it anyway. Yeah. And also there's a mystery and maybe there's money in the house or whatever. That is true, by the way. Spoilers. Yes. <laughs> it's in the mattress, I think. Yeah. Because uh, that's like old Mr. Frain used to be like super rich and he was, like, a really lovely person and had this fantastic wife. And the two of them, like, loved all the children in town. But then his wife died of a copperhead snake bite. And he, like, basically broke down and was like, no, like, I, I'm going to become a mean old man. And everyone was convinced in his house fell into disrepair. So everyone was convinced that he hoarded money away in his house hidden somewhere and that there was, like, a secret fortune hidden in the, like, decrepit, falling-down old mansion. Yeah. And, by the way, it's, like, casually dropped in that his wife died of the snake bite because he was driving her to the hospital and then the car broke down. And then he just sat in the car and couldn't think of anything else to do. And it's like, this old man needed a plucky child to come along. <laughs> and, sadly, there were none to be had. But the... Uh, whatever the Belden parents are like yeah he just they just sat in the car for hours while she died and I was like hours like bud (laughs) I understand like it's a hard situation Uh, you're in shock whatever but like get your shit together man well he didn't yeah my my older brother um was a repository of snake facts and he had gone to nature camp and taken a herpetology class and I was describing the plot of this book to him as I would do because I you know read books and then had to tell everybody about them and he's like nobody dies of a copperhead bite that's never happened and i i was for some reason i, I believed this book and not not um the and i'm not sure that it's never happened but apparently that it's it's not very likely to be fatal well if it were going to be fatal it probably would be because you just sat in a hot car for hours <laughs> yeah 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 and and we, we we can get to the snake bite therapy later yeah this book is promoting a lot of like it reads as if it's trying to be like a wilderness manual, but it is giving a lot of disinformation in a way that like is a little reckless. Also, 
a little reckless. Well, again, this may have been like best practices in 1948, but when they went to update the books, I guess they probably just skimmed them for slurs and then were like, <laughs> but but the, the, the survival misinformation is fine. It's fine. Uh, so Trixie and Honey ride horses over to this old mansion and they're looking in the windows and... Trixie's like, ah, like we should, uh, honey, part of the reason honey didn't want to go over there is because she and her father were riding horses earlier in the day and they saw um, a face. She saw a face in the window of the house. So she was like, oh, it's haunted. And then Trixie's like, no, probably there's just like a thief or a a vagrant living in there. I'll go inside and check. (laughs) (laughs) and finds an open window and honey's like we can't just break into a house she's like we're not breaking in we're just going in to what make sure the house is locked so vagrants can't get in it's called being neighborly and then (laughs) honey's like well what if there's a vagrant there she's like we'll just tell him to leave (laughs) yeah uh they don't necessarily find a vagrant but they do find uh jim who turns out to be uh, old Mr. Frayne's grand nephew, great nephew, whatever, who uh, ran away from his evil stepfather, who uh, after his mother died, his stepfather started beating him and treating him poorly. And he couldn't live like that anymore. But he knew that he had an uncle somewhere who cared enough about him to make him his heir. Uh, so he was like, I'm going to go find this uncle and see if he can help me. And of course, uh, his uncle has just recently been taken to the hospital and is not expected to live. So they fill Jim in on all this information and they tell him about the missing money that is supposedly in the house. And so they, the three of them decide they're going to look for the missing fortune um, so that Jim can escape from his evil stepfather and, or maybe a will that would say that Jim's the heir, but, they can't tell any adults or anyone else that Jim is here because if his stepfather comes up, finds out he'll find him and beat the crap out of him. By the way, Jim uh, keeps referring to his life in terms of uncle Tom's cabin. And he's like, my stepfather's a real Simon Legree. And then like multiple times he does that. And I'm like, "Mm, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know about that. (laughs) I have to assume that would have been that was just a expression again in the forties that they did not occur to them to update. So, yeah. But yes, I, I, there is some appropriation going on there that he may not have been aware of. Yeah, and and also, I mean, I guess like you know, at this time there weren't as many books, so probably more children had actually read <laughs> Uncle Tom's Cabin, but <laughs> maybe. Uh, so this sort of. Uh, caps off the the majority of the action in this book like all these like weird things keep happening to the children they're constantly put in peril uh that they find their way out of but that like the bulk of the book is them searching the house and trying to find up ways to find either a will or the money or the the jewels or whatever treasure that old man frayne was hiding so that jim could be free of his evil stepfather uh, in between Trixie doing chores and them like riding horses and uh, Honey coming out of her shell and learning how to have fun. 
and some, you know, probably normal for 1940s little girls. But for me, a lesbian who's 38 years old was like, <laughs> mm, this is homoerotic. Uh, yeah, no, they're in love. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Did we mention Miss Trask yet? No. Oh, yeah. She- yeah, Trixie has a whole, or not Trixie, Honey has like a whole host of like supportive uh, paid employees in her life, including Miss Trask, the um, governess. Trask, the governess, Reagan, the uh, the horse stable man who is not Gore- a narc. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just actually, the reason I raised, bring that up is I can't remember if she's described this way in this book, but Miss Trask is um, uh, always described as having short silver or like iron gray hair and sensible shoes and she's she's extremely lesbian governess coded um uh together with the like as as kate was saying yeah so i don't i don't remember how much that comes up but she she is she's very much the primary parent figure as this as this series yeah she is introduced wearing a pantsuit oxfords and having short hair and i was like yes (laughs) (laughs) i believe sensible shoes are mentioned in pretty much every volume of this of this um book so you gotta have sensible shoes you can't go around barefoot because a snake will bite you yes Uh, because that is one of the things that does happen um one of the things as we said at the beginning uh, that uh trixie is doing to earn money is watching her younger brother bobby and on one day he refuses to put on real shoes so She's sort of like, okay, well, if you go barefoot, will you put on the rest of your clothes? And he's like, yes. So she lets him go barefoot, (laughs) helping her in the garden. And she kind of zones out in the garden. And when she looks up, Bobby is gone and he's screaming for her. And the day before he had screamed for her as kind of a little prank. So she was like, Bobby, are you pranking me again? And he's like, no, I got bit by a snake. And she's like, oh, shit. Because uh, he wasn't wearing shoes, a snake bit him on the toe, and it was a copperhead. And so she has to do snake first aid on him, and that involves cutting open the snake wound, cu- or t- wrapping a tourniquet around the toe that he got bit on, cutting open the snake wound, sucking out the poison, and spitting it into a- his blood into a cup until the doctor can come with the antivenom. <laughs> Which, by the way, Trixie had described in the first chapter, basically, in her hate rant on Mr. Frame and his dead wife. Well, that was dumb for them to sit there, which we agreed on, but then goes into detail about how he should have had a razor blade with him in the car, I guess, and cut open his toe and sucked it. (laughs) Which, uh, to be clear, is not proper snake bite procedure. You should not do that. I do feel like my mom maybe had some old Girl Scout manuals where that was still what they recommended, or at least some kind of equivalent snake bite kit you were supposed to. But now they tell you, they definitely tell you not to do tourniquets because that just leads to losing your foot and mostly just get to medical help. Yes. You probably won't probably die. Won't die. Uh, I, they re, they made an Oregon Trail game for Nintendo Switch and it's like updated and it's a little bit more like RPG like and I have been playing it a lot because it's a great game and because, you know, because I like that kind of shit. And if your character gets a snake bite and you choose like suck the venom out, you get a pop up that says like, are you sure? <laughs> 
yeah, I believe my girls, my Girl Scout book specifically said, despite what you have heard, do not do this. <laughs> that was amazing. Um, but apparently it works for Trixie and she is a, she's a shero for her foot sucking. (laughs) Um, so Bobby's laid up in bed, but the doctor who looks at him is like, oh, like, thank God for Trixie. She saved Bobby's life. And her parents are like, oh, Trixie, you're so great. And the next day they just carry on like nothing happened. (laughs) There's yeah. A lot of well, th- we haven't even gotten to the rabid dog that maybe was not rabid. Maybe it was not rabid. Yeah, maybe Jim just murdered a dog. Um yeah, because another like thing that they dispense as if it is just like a fact is rabid animals will only run in a straight line. That's not a thing. Uh <laughs> cuz originally they're like it's not rabid because it's it will only run in a straight line and then they're like, it is rabid. And then there's a different dog. And he's like, I don't know. Sometimes dogs just foam with the mouth because they're hot. And it doesn't mean they're rabid. Like, you guys don't know shit. And you just shot a dog with a gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Jim, Jim shot it. Jim is um, a very just self-sufficient um he's wants to he's run away from home because he wants to be a camp counselor he shoots with a gun he rides quote like a centaur and um what was the other thing yeah so he just he has all these skills so he just um and and dispenses facts and these children relate to each other by infodumping particularly christy and uh, trixie and jim and at least I know if you if you are an adult in Trixie Bell fandom, you have to believe that Trixie and Jim grew up and get married. Mm. Um, I, I don't think that's ever specified in canon, but I assume their love language is mutual info <laughs> dumping. Um. So they the kids uh, do a lot of exploring in the house. They convinced Jim, the old man Frayne had boarded up the second floor, but they convinced Jim to use the ladder to get into the windows um, on the second floor. And after a terrifying moment when one of the ladder rung breaks, ladder rungs break and Jim takes a fall, um, they do get into the second floor and they find an old family Bible that has a will inside of it that names Jim as the sole heir to the Frayne family fortune. And they're like, this is great. It's signed by this lawyer. If we find this lawyer, he'll have the original and he can help us. And Jim, and I I want to say nonsensically, but like, again, I have to think that this is a book aimed at middle grade kids. So about middle grade kids. So I kind of get it. Jim is like, no, no adults can know what happened to me because if an adult finds out, they'll go to my stepfather and my stepfather will get all of the money and he will never let me see it and he'll continue to beat the crap out of me. So I need to, you know, keep, keep laying low and hope that my uncle pulls through because if he's alive, I can go to him and explain what's going on and he might be able to help me. But that's the only way. <laughs> the, this these books are basically like even if you have many trusted adult authorities in your life, don't tell yeah. them shit. Trixie Bellin said, "Don't trust anyone over the age of twenty-one." And to to be honest, when I was like twelve. I, despite being like kind of a rule follower, I was also kind of like, there were things in my life that happened. I was like, my parents don't need to know about this. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
definitely all of the things in this book. I would have run home and cried and told my parents, but I was not a hearty, plucky adventurer like Trixie. And like Honey, quickly, quickly, um, I actually, I did love Honey's arc to just being fearless despite her anxiety that goes throughout this this book. Because I didn't really remember Honey having a personality, but she does have one in this book, which is nice. Yeah. Um, I also, I love that if these were the boxcar children, they definitely would have been like, but Jim, you have to go meet your uncle before he dies and you have to like reconcile with him. And Trixie's like, fuck that old man. He's going to die. You don't need to know. You don't need to see him. He, he never does. Jim never talks to his uncle whatsoever. He just dies. Yeah, uh, by the way, can I do a legal corner, which is that if there was no will, then Jim, yes, actually would be the heir because um, he is the next person, like the next of kin. It would all the only way he would not be the heir is if there was a different will. But I'm like, okay, we're going to only go so far into legal information. I probably learned what a will was. <laughs> um, so they they continue to try to figure out what you know Jim can do. And Jim keeps saying, like, I have to leave, especially now the illness of Mr. Frayne is in the quote-unquote New York papers so he knows that uh, his stepfather will hear about it and come looking for him so he's like I can't stay much longer because they'll he'll find me so I, I need to leave soon and Trixie and Honey are both devastated by this because they both desperately want to adopt Jim as their older brother and are like, no, no, like, just stay a few more days and we'll try a few more things to see if we can find the money or the treasure. And then, you know, you can have enough money to, you know, do whatever. Um, and they do this and like more insane things continue to happen, including a squadron of like fighter planes flies over their houses and mm -hmm. one of them bursts into flames and crashes in the woods. And the pilot parachutes out and lands on the property of the old mansion. Um, just as like the three of them are hanging out there and Jim like goes to hide in the summer house, which is a like one room guest house type dealie that's been completely surrounded by hedges and overgrown. So you can't see that it's there. And everyone in town drives up to the old house and starts taking pictures of it and pictures of the pilot. And it's wild. Oh, also like throughout the book, much the way that snake bites have been foreshadowed and discussed, fire has also been foreshadowed and discussed. They keep being like, wow, like um, we haven't had much rain. All the wells are dried up. If there were a fire, it would spread so quickly. So I'm glad there's not a fire. And then there is a fire. Yeah. Uh oh. Because uh, the after the plane crash, they come up with this plan because Trixie's parents are taking Bobby to the seaside, and her father's going to come back. Um, yeah. Bobby's getting a seaside rest cure for his snake bite. Yes. Um. So jealous. Uh. And. It's, but they'll be alone in the house for a night, so they're like, Jim, you should come over to our house. And that way, if your stepfather comes looking for you now that it's been in the New York papers, you know, you won't be there. But also, we can take like a midnight ride and like hang out together one last time. And he's like, okay, but I'm definitely leaving in the morning. Um, and then over the course of there, because Mr. Frayne has died at this point. 
Uh, and everyone, the house is being swarmed with reporters who are looking to like find the missing treasure and find, you know, his will and everything. Um, so they do this and everyone's looking for Jim because they know now from the will that the heir is this, you know, great grandson or great nephew who exists somewhere out in the world, but no one can find him. And as they're on their midnight ride, I can't remember exactly what happens. They hear something or they see something at the old house. So they go back over there and they realize that it's Jim's evil stepfather and he has dropped his lit cigarette in the old house and a fire breaks out. Gasp. Uh. <laughs> Sorry. I just scrolled down in the dock and <laughs> saw your comment about the fire. Renata. <laughs> Wait, what did I say about it? I'm surprised these kids didn't offer some whack fire advice, like put out a fire by shooting it with a gun. <laughs> <laughs> they do actually try to like fight the fire themselves even though they're like the fire department is coming and i'm like yeah even though even though this is yeah anyway they i i, I was like get as far away from the fire as you like can. they literally start taking buckets of well water and running it into the house to throw on the fire in the house I mean, to be fair, they have all along been saying if this house catches on fire, it's going to spread through the woods and set their houses on fire. It's true. I, I don't, I'm not against their very reasonable goal of not wanting a fire to destroy all the homes in the area. I just, I'm not sure that anything they were going to do by the time this fire uh, yeah. had been noticed was going to yeah. help. Um, so the, the fire starts raging and people... Everyone, you know, from the fire, uh, Trixie calls the fire department and, or that's what it is. They're, they're back from mid their midnight ride and they're sleeping and Trixie looks out the window and sees smoke coming out of the house. So she calls the fire department before they all run over. And when the fire department eventually gets there, um, Jim's evil stepfather shows up as well and starts yelling like, "You, my stepson is in there. You have to get him out. And... They're like, there's no one in there. And he's like, no, I know he was. Like, I saw evidence that he had been inside. Like, you have to save him. And Trixie for a moment is like, oh, maybe he does care about Jim. And then he's like, when they're like, oh, the, the house is too on fire. We can't do anything else. He's like, you idiots, there's a half million dollars in there. Like, you're all stupid. I can't believe you would let that money burn. <laughs> he, she's like, oh, no, he's a bad man, actually. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but they, they are able to stop the fire from spreading, but the house does burn to the ground. And one of the only things they save from it by chance is the old mattress that the old man Fran had been sleeping on and then Jim had been sleeping on. Uh, and then in the morning, uh, they wake up and Jim is gone from the house and they go back from Trixie's house and they go back to the property and they find the summer, a note from him in the summer house that they had been, that he had been hiding in saying like thanks for all your help i'm going to get a job at a summer camp i love you guys never forget me also by the way that mattress was stuffed full of money <laughs> i am taking it all out and it's enough money to take care of me for a little while so goodbye and the lawyer from the will shows up on the property 
and is like, oh, hey, have you guys seen this kid, Jim? He's the heir to old Mr. Frayne, and I'm trying to find him. And now they're like, yes, we trust an adult now. Yes, here's literally everything we've been up to for the past. Yeah, yeah. don't trust don't trust any adults except for lawyers. <laughs> except for a random lawyer who you don't really know. Don't trust your cool governess who lets you get away with more than you're supposed to with, like, a wink and a nod. Don't trust, like, the tragic backstory horseman who's like, ah, I see that you've been hanging out with a third kid. He he looks like he came from a broken home. I won't ask any questions. Continue hanging out with him. I'm not a narc. Don't trust your loving parents. Just trust this random lawyer who shows up and says, hey, I'm a lawyer. Reading this thinking, I'm like, well, maybe they're just like, there really wasn't any family services back then. Maybe he couldn't expect to be, um, you know, saved from physical abuse and on the stepfather controlling his money and the lawyer is immediately like yeah that guy was beating the shit out of that kid we're gonna be able to get him taken away from there no problem and i'm like okay again maybe an adult would have helped with this um so they decide at the end like they are going to tell miss mrs trask about everything that happened and uh go searching for Jim themselves. And the lawyer's kind of like, okay. So the lawyer's like, oh, oh, I'll go get like the cops to look for him or something. They're like, no, if adults were looking for him, he'd never trust them. But if we, two 13-year-old girls, go out on horseback, we'll be able to find him. And the lawyer's like, by yourselves? And they're like, no, we'll tell one adult woman to come with us. And he's like, sounds fine. <laughs> the, um, but by the way, the, the plot mechanism by which the adults are afraid to look for him is that his backup plan is to go to Europe on a cattle boat. And they're like, he will definitely do that if he finds out somebody is looking for him. And I'm like, okay, that's this. Maybe that is something But I, you know, I for a long time thought that that was just like a legitimate way of getting out of trouble is you <laughs> go to the nearest port and find a cattle boat <laughs> to take him. And that's the cliffhanger the book ends on. That's the cliffhanger. Yeah. Yeah, no, I remember really liking the um, the road trip one with the trailer where they go and, and and I believe the mystery in that one is that there's somebody else in a trailer that they keep seeing, um, and I guess this trailer would be like an RV, like what that the equivalent of that, and there's some kind of mystery about those people where they think that they're criminals but they actually aren't, something of that nature. So. They're just transporting the black stallion crossover it really is it really yeah this i definitely was reading these books at, at the same time and they pretty much happen in the same universe you could you could cross that over maybe like maybe like alec would actually make some friends mm. his own age if he met these kids. Uh, yeah so i mean this was wild it was a wild read um we have left out so many moments of absolute peril of these children there's a point where trixie gets a concussion diving into shallow water there we didn't even talk about the rabid dog or the maybe rabid dog the stray dog who like <laughs> well we've we've, the we've mentioned how the dog was shot with a gun but yeah before that the, the dog was kind of a menace yeah um not to mention queenie the attack hen and there's like a nosy neighbor, like the one adult who keeps tr trying to find out what's going on. Um, and, and because everything that's happening, including the kid getting bit by a snake, is written up in the <laughs> newspaper. So 
this guy is just like reading the newspaper and going around and spying and looking for for strangers, which is not completely unrealistic. It just like is very very plot device. Yeah, and you you He's you the- can tell you can't trust him because he has an ugly horse. Uh, <laughs> Miss, Mr. Lytel was riding a gray sway-backed mare with gaunt hip bones and a discourage and discouraged-looking eyes. She stumbled to a stop beside Lady and immediately hung her head, almost as if she knew the other horses were making fun of her. Rescue <laughs> <laughs> um, Bella, you know, like whatever. Is that, is that whatever it was? Uh, yeah, it's. I will say this: like this, this was a wild ride to read as an adult. Um, I don't know because I was more, like I said, of a mystery kid than a survivalist kid when I was reading books. I don't know that this one would have appealed to me. It sounds like maybe some of the later books would have appealed to me more, but like th- this wasn't bad. Yeah. It zips along. Lots of, lots of, um, dangers are flagged and then the kids go and do it anyway. And then bad stuff happens, yeah. but they're okay. Um, well, speaking of bad stuff happening, let's move into our dramatic readings. Um, and we're going to start off right near the beginning and I'll be Trixie and Kate will be Mr. Belden and Carrie will be Mrs. Belden. I've just been to the hospital. On my way into the village this morning, I found old Mr. Frayne lying at the foot of his driveway. He was unconscious, and I took him right to the hospital. Oh, Peter, that poor old man living up there all alone. I've worried about him so often, but he would never let anyone come near him. He's probably been sick for days. That's right. He's suffering from pneumonia, complicated by malnutrition. The doctor said there was very little chance that he would pull through. Serves him right, the mean old miser. You should have left him lying in the driveway, Dad. Why, Trixie, I don't like you to talk that way, and you know you don't mean it. Although Mr. Frayne may not have always been a very pleasant neighbor, he is still a neighbor. I'm sorry, Dad. Trixie squinted up at the big rambling mansion half hidden by trees on top of the hill. He never seemed like a neighbor to me. As her father drove away, she turned to her mother. Why, old man Frayne said he'd call the police if he ever caught any of us trespassing. Remember that time he yelled at Mart and... Now, Trixie, you're old enough to understand Mr. Frayne's attitude. He and your father had a disagreement about the boundary line between the two properties. Of course, Dad didn't really want to take the matter to court because nobody really cares, but he insisted. Naturally, when the decision went against him, he resented it. Well, his game chickens come down on our property whenever they please, and you don't complain. And just last week, Mom's ready chased Queenie, the black hen, into Mr. Frayne's property. I tore after him because I didn't want him to hurt Queenie, even though she does belong to the old miser. But I needn't have worried because I guess those game hens can take care of themselves. Just as I caught up to them, she suddenly turned and flew right into Reddy's face, flapping her wings and squawking and scratching like anything. Reddy was the most surprised Irish setter you ever saw. He tucked his tail between his legs and dashed off into the woods. And just then, Mr. Frayne burst out of his house, waving a shotgun and shouting at me. Golly, I was awful scared for a minute, Moms. He said he'd shoot Reddy if he ever crossed the boundary line again. Uh, This reminds me that one of the reasons that I related to these books is that we also had kind of a dumb Irish (laughs) setter. 
And there, there, we didn't even mention there's a part where they try to leave the dog at the house and he just like jumps out a window and breaks the window. <laughs> and like, it has nothing to do with anything. The dog's not hurt. But um, they have to um, mention that. And I just like, I'm like, clearly Julie Campbell Tatham had a dumb Irish setter and she just put whatever he did. <laughs> this book. All right. Um, our next dramatic reading is going to include some inaccurate snake bite information. Do not use <laughs> this as a tip. Do not sue us, please. Um, you could maybe sue Julie Campbell, but I think she is dead, so don't. Um, anyway, Carrie will be Trixie, and I will be poor little snake bitten Bobby. Panic swept back over Trixie as she saw the drops of blood on Bobby's big toe. It could have been a copperhead, she thought wildly. Oh, no, no, it must have been a black snake. They get very bold when they're teased. Aloud, she asked in a calm a voice as she could, as she could muster. What did it look like, Bobby? Was it a black snake? Tell me quickly. Was it long and black? Without even waiting for his answer, she made a hasty tourniquet with her handkerchief and a stick and twisted it tightly around the bleeding toe. It wasn't black. It was sort of brown with spots and stripes. Oh, that's too tight. It hurts. But Trixie had already scooped him up into her arms and was running back to the house as fast as she could. It was probably nothing but a harmless little garter snake. She kept telling herself to keep her legs from buckling under her. But it might have been a copperhead. Oh, why did I let him go barefoot? Why didn't I keep him in the garden with me? She laid him gently on the living room sofa and ran upstairs, calling, Lie perfectly still, Bobby. Everything's going to be all right. Just lie still. In her father's medicine cabinet, she found a new razor blade wrapped in sterile paper. Just then, she heard someone calling her name and looked out the window. She saw Honey coming up the driveway. Trixie leaned out the bathroom window, whispering hoarsely, Bobby was bitten by a snake. I don't want to frighten him, and I don't know whether it was a copperhead or not, but I've got to give him first aid anyway, because we might not be able to get a doctor out here from town for half an hour. She tore downstairs and almost collided with Honey in the hall. You hold him in your arms. While I cut the fang marks with this razor blade, the quieter he is, the less chance there'll be of the poison spreading. Luckily, Bud had followed Honey into the house, and Bobby was so happy hugging the little puppy, he hardly felt the quick incisions Trixie made in his toe. Bullshit. <laughs> I'm going to suck out as much blood as I can with my mouth, Trixie told Honey over her shoulder. You call Dr. Ferris and ask him to come out right away with the anti-venid. The phone's in the study and the doctor's number on a card on the wall over the desk. When Honey came back saying that Dr. Ferris was on the way, Bobby was laughing. Trixie's pretending to be a mosquito. She's sucking all the blood out of my toe. With half of her consciousness between sucking and spitting out the blood and venom, Trixie noticed that Honey's face was as white as a sheet and wondered vaguely if she herself looked as sick. That tourniquet must have been on 15 minutes now. I'll have to take it off for a minute. Gratefully, she saw that the swelling in Bobby's toe had not yet spread to his foot, so she replaced the tourniquet where she had put it already, sucking and spitting all the time. Every now and then, Bobby complained that his toe felt like it was on fire, so Trixie knew there could be no doubt now that he had been bitten by a copperhead. And later on, Jim is like, huh, we should all probably carry snake bite kits with us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Trixie did have a handkerchief in her pocket, so, as T 
Teenage Ghost. Thank goodness. Okay, and then we have one more dramatic reading from these calamity-ridden children. And uh, this time Kate will be Trixie, and Carrie will be Honey, and I'll be Jim. By the way, Jim, sorry, I, sh- I should say Jim, who has just fallen from a broken ladder. Trixie felt a scream rising in her own throat as she stared dazedly at the crumpled form of the boy. Every freckle stood out in the whiteness of his face, and his hair was a bright splotch of red against his pale forehead. Then, as he let out an involuntary moan, she began tugging at the heavy ladder. Between them, the girls finally lifted and pushed the ladder away, and Jim looked up with a sickly grin. Golly, I know now what a drowning man goes through. Everything that ever happened to me flashed through my mind while that ladder was deciding what it was going to do. No bones broken, thank goodness. I made myself go limp as soon as I realized I was going to fall. I was pretty limp myself. Jim scrambled to his feet, rubbing the back of his head. I'll have a lump the size of yours. It was lucky I didn't crack my skull. Jonesy always said I was hard-headed, and I guess he's right. That makes three of us. First, I cut my knee. Then Trixie hit her head on a rock, and now you topple off a ladder. What's going to happen next? Bad things always go in threes, so the jinx is over. I'm not so sure of that. Honey was counting on her fingers. Jupiter ran away with you. I almost got run over by the laundry truck. I don't even remember that. I guess that was what you were talking about. And the dog chased us down the lake. Well, that's just another set of threes. How about the dog running after me a little while ago? Does that start off still another set? Have it your way. Two more awful things are going to happen to us. (laughs) And reader, they did. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I like the, I guess you're like reading these books like a couple chapters at a time at bedtime or whatever. So you like, you need a recap of previously on Tricks Felden. I think it's like in, um, Fast and the Furious 9 when uh, Roman starts to think that the crew is immortal because he <laughs> he has this like existential moment where he's like like you know we've been through submarines and bombs and like we're still fine like that's crazy maybe I'm immortal I feel like that's what this moment is actually <laughs> let's move on to reader's advisory where we'll suggest some things to read instead of or in addition to Trixie Belden uh, I feel like we've been invoking the name of the boxcar children a lot and I stand by that yeah I had mentioned um Ride On by Faith Aaron Hicks, which is because I was thinking about like, I don't know that much middle grade um, that's new now, but um, I was thinking about I know more graphic novels. And I actually haven't read this one, but I read a um, review of it recently and it's about a horse girl. So I am very excited to check this out. I really like Faith's stuff. And then just like I put WikiHow <laughs> because if you want to learn some things, it probably gets updated. Do you not have a weird boy who's shown up in the abandoned house next door to yours now you can mimic that by having WikiHow. <laughs> somebody's gonna give you some facts like but i i haven't looked up what to do if you get bit by a snake on WikiHow. but hopefully it's um, um keep your grades up <laughs> yeah we'll approach the wizard and inquire about snake bites uh yeah just first of all don't um don't get bit by a snake is my advice. <laughs> yeah, wear your shoes. 
Yeah. Yeah. Wear your shoes. Uh, wear sensible shoes. I'll, I'll give you that one for free. Um, okay. I think, um, some more recent, re- recently written books, um, Echo Mountain by Lauren Wolk. It's set in, it's written recently, set in the thirties. It, it'll give you all the feral mountain children you could shake a stick at. Um, some contemporary ones. Hello Universe by Aaron Entrada Kelly is contemporary children who are lucky enough to be uh, feral in the woods and one of them falls in a well and they have to get him up. Oh no. Yeah, spoilers. He's fine. Uh, Doll Bones by Holly Black is kids on an adventure, but also with a haunted doll watch included. It's true. Crossover, create your own Mabim Bam episode. Yeah. <laughs> like going to the wizard at WikiHow and then having a haunted doll watch. Yeah. That sounds great. Oh, I actually, I'm, I'm always recommending Raven Boys, but I actually, the reason I thought of these books is that those obviously are written at a much higher level. But sort of my theory about that series has always been that what's going on is that Gansey really just wants to be having a middle grade adventure, you know, going into the woods and finding things. And all his friends are like, but we're horny. Um, two yeah. additional semi-contemporarily written, but uh, more urban based than feral kids in the woods, but also kids getting up to hijinks um, would be When You Reach Me by Rebecca Steed and One Crazy Summer by Rita Garcia Williams. And I say contemporary, but probably both of these books are like, I think When You Reach Me is like at least 15 years old now because I'm old. Yeah. Time marches on. Yeah, I believe my niece... My nieces who would not read Trixie Bell liked both of those books. Great. Um, so we'll have this whole list and probably some other ones we didn't get around to mentioning up at our website, worstbestsellers.com. And now it's time for The Rock Paper Snicked, where Kate will, of course, say who Dwayne The Rock Johnson would be if you're in this book. And I'll say who Wolverine would be if you're in this book. And Carrie can choose which most enhances the book, or she can choose paper, which is to leave it as is. Uh, if The Rock was in this book, he would sort of replace the role of Reagan. Um, Reagan is great, but imagine if Reagan was just a little bit greater and he would be The Rock. Um, and while he would absolutely Whoa. like leave the kids to follow their own feral children in the woods plans, he would perhaps be just a smidge more present in making sure that Jim was okay whereas Reagan's just like hello boy who definitely I haven't seen and definitely I am not letting ride this horse have fun be good (laughs) and walking away the rock would like talk to Jim about horses and make it clear that he was chill and express like yeah like you know it's hard to grow up without people who really believe and support you, but like there are adults in the world who will believe and support you and give them a little bit of a pep talk that would maybe get Jim to open up a little bit more and not just run away to join a summer camp and or a cattle boat. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, If Wolverine were in this, I think he would be living in the woods briefly in a cave. That's like also near these houses. And he would, uh, pop out when he heard some snake bite kerfuffle and he would be like hey that's not what you do for snake bites bub and he would um he would go on wiki how and tell them what to do 
Just kidding. He doesn't need WikiHow. He knows he's Wolverine. Wolverine uh, and- writes all of WikiHow. <laughs> <laughs> More like WolviHow. <laughs> okay, no, I disagree because he writes most of it and then Cyclops edits it to add keep your grades up. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> uh, anyway, so he would do that, and then he'd be like, uh, "There's too many kids in this in these woods," and then he would have to go find another cave. But that would that would be his only entrance into the book. Okay. Well, see, I'm gonna go with the rock. If Renata had suggested that um, Trixie would team up with the rock as being his latest girl sidekick, then I would have had to go with that because it would have fulfilled all of my, um, you know childhood and adulthood um story ideas but i think that the rock in the regan role and maybe getting a little bit more actively involved would just be perfect and he could continue he could play regan with like a red wig all right well good game good game uh and now it's time for dwar day's corner where my cat dwar day shares his opinions like Dorje, i'm of two minds on this one because like on one hand yes i agree that cats are great and they should be in books and you know children benefit greatly from having cats i do think that if there were a cat in this book there's like a non-zero chance that that cat would have been like shot with a gun or like (laughs) drowned in a well so maybe it's for the best i where i really think this could have shown is i think that Honey could have like a really like pampered Persian indoor cat that would, you know, be safe from all these other troubles. Yes. Yeah, nothing against Buddy, but um, I think a cat might be more of um, Honey's personality. Yeah. yeah. And I think too, you know, the cat I feel like would constantly be in peril from the dogs and the chickens. Not that I don't think cats can hold their own, but. You know, a nice indoor cat who Trixie can go visit sometimes and who really has like the knowledge and air of superiority that I know you look for in a cat figure (laughs) Mm -hmm. would really be the icing on the cake for this book. Yeah. Um, Well, maybe in, in one of the many sequels, there could be a cat. I don't remember a cat, but that's not to say they didn't show up. All right. Well, Dorte, good input as always. Uh, and now, do any humans have any closing thoughts? Look in the mattress first. <laughs> um, I yeah. Mean- I was gonna. Just, we just didn't really talk about Jim had been sleeping on this mattress. Like, what's this? Like, reverse princess and the PS boy who's not like this mattress is like lumpy as hell and it feels like bricks of cash like I do feel like I would have a distinctive feel <laughs> yeah yeah oh, and then I, I didn't I just needed to comment on Mrs. Belden just making a roast turkey for dinner on a weeknight yeah yeah is that that a 40s thing I don't it- know that's why Trixie has to do all the chores because she like is spending all of her time. Well, the, thing, her the thing that shocked me about it was that it wasn't even like she made it for dinner. She made it for lunch. She made it for lunch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And this is when 
so Trixie is like waxing poetically about how she's glad that they're not rich, which are okay. Um, and then her mom is like, oh yes, I'm glad we're not rich too. It's so much nicer to work for things than have them handed to us on a silver platter. And then like, she smiles Riley and she's like, but also could you go get the silver platter because I need to put this turkey on it. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, this family is clearly well off, (laughs) you know, they have like a hobby farm and the dad is a banker. Um, and they're sending, well, I guess the kids work at camp. So they're they're but they're clearly well off, but they're not like, fancy and they don't send their kids to boarding school so that's kind of the the values that are being promoted here um yeah i you know my my only closing thoughts are that you know i thought that as in the scheme of these books of these you know old-timey mysteries that continue to be written by syndicate after the author has moved on um i think that these ones are pretty good and I'm a little surprised that they didn't hold up as well as the, or remain popular as much as some of the others. Um, yeah. I think it was probably just that they didn't update them. So they kind of fell by the wayside as opposed to Nancy gets rewritten every decade or so. <sighs> All right. Well, uh, if you would like to come and offer us uh, your snake bite treatment, uh, options uh you can find us online we're on facebook and instagram at worst bestseller spell normally we're on twitter at worst bestseller with no s because the s is stuck inside my mattress right now and i'm gonna have to cut it open to get it out and it's gonna be a whole thing so deal with it you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, all of the places where you find podcasts, but not Stitcher, because as of recording this, Stitcher very abruptly shut down like two days ago. (sighs) Um, If you do find us on any of those places, please take a moment to rate and review. When you rate and review, it moves us up on the charts. It makes it easier for new people to find us. If you don't rate and review, we will definitely not be inviting you to go exploring with us when we find the old abandoned mansion that might have half a million dollars hidden inside of it. We also have a Patreon available at patreon.com slash worstbestsellers. Patreon is a service where you pledge a small monthly recurring donation that goes to us to do things like keep our equipment up to date. And uh, in exchange, you get things, all sorts of perks, like a special episode uh, once a month where Renata and I just ramble about whatever we're into currently. And uh, postcards or stickers in the mail and all sorts of other goodies. We also have merch available, best access by going to worstbestsellers.com and clicking on the merch link, where you can find all sorts of designs from our podcast to wear on your bodies. Finally, uh, we have a Discord available. The Discord is also linked from worstbestsellers.com, and it is a place where you can gather with other fans of the podcast to chat about episodes or television or movies or what you've been baking or share pictures of your cats or really basically anything else you want. Hell yeah. Uh, if you want to find me personally, I'm online at Renata Snacks. If you want to find me personally, I am online at 14 Across. And Carrie, remind our faithful listeners where they can find you. Well, um, I have a public Twitter that's Carrie, C-A-R-R-I-E-M, Pruitt, P-R-U-E-T-T. I don't know how long 
long that will be around. I have the same ID on Blue Sky if anybody is um, moving over there yet. We, as a podcast, will be back uh, in two weeks. Flashback Summer will continue with Miss Anastasia Krupnik by Lois Lowry. So until then, um, don't get bitten by snakes. Solid advice. (laughs) Bye. Bye. You come to me in my little Marvel gremlin cave to ask this? Like, what the hell?